0: Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Uh, Today we're continuing our series with uh, Debbie uh, about uh, factors that help uh, a wife build trust and uh, some of the things the husband can do, some of the things that are important to the wife. And so far, for those of you that have been listening currently, uh, I think we've uh, talked about six points so far, right?
1: Mm -hmm. That's right.
0: And now we're going on to number seven.
1: Right. (laughs) So I'm, I'm hoping this is practical for everyone no. and so if it isn't, you know we'd appreciate your feedback about that because uh, I'm kind of a practical person. And I know when we're rebuilding trust, there are mm-hmm. a lot of things that are very specific to doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, point seven is is a little bit more global, I guess, in, in our thinking about it because it's what I identify as longing to see internal motivation in a spouse who's broken your trust. Right. And internal motivation is different than what we might typically see, uh, which we sometimes label as external motivation. And as you were saying, maybe describes more of the specific things someone might do because someone's asking them to do something mm-hmm. or someone else is watching them. They're afraid of someone's reaction. Right. They're trying to please someone, keep someone from hurting. Right. So they are external uh, motivators that lead any of us to change what we're doing. But internal motivation is more of that place of someone wanting to do what they're doing um, mm-hmm. to be the best version of who they can be. Well,
0: to be the uh, men, in this case, that God calls them to be... Uh, regardless of other people's reaction. I do think this is a long spiritual journey. I think it uh, it begins, you know, uh, even at the beginning. And we are grateful in the early days for external motivations because it keeps the addict sober. But gradually we're trying to work on, you know, they will do whatever it takes. They have that heart change. Uh, they're humble, they're broken. Um, and uh, they are spiritually pursuing this because again, uh, they want to be uh, the men that they are called to be. So. Mm-hmm.
1: I think on the front end of the journey, too, um, sometimes as a husband and a wife, we we create a number of externally motivated things um, to try to keep him safe, you all safe, and to to reduce anxiety for a spouse. Mm -hmm. And so some of those things might be uh, that she might agree to be an accountability partner for her husband on the front end, or she might be asked to be in that role. In terms
0: of getting reports from the, like, Covenant Eyes or something like that. Right,
1: right. Or she may be asked by her spouse, I've heard a number of times, to ask him how he's doing. Yeah. Um, She's invited into that role. She may be invited into a role of accompanying him whenever he's traveling, let's just say, if he happens to do a lot of that for work. Mm -hmm. Um, So... She may be asked to hold all the passwords to mm. everything. She may be asked to put you know, the controls on the television or to ma- monitor the remote. There are a lot of things that um, she may either decide she wants to do or she is asked to do. And some of those things on the front end can be helpful to reduce anxiety, as I said. And for her. For yeah. her. Yeah, um, okay. Maybe even for him, actually, to know that there's someone else watching over his program. All that to say, though, I do know that eventually those are not the kind of things that build long-term trust for a woman, and that came out clearly in my research as well when I asked several hundred women about these issues of building trust, and what I learned is one of the most important things was a heart change that they saw in their husband, which I think refers to this internally motivated place to want to be a different person at all costs, Um, Other things like counseling, being willing to tell the truth, some of these other things we've also talked about were those things that were um, definitely more trust-building for her. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is the least helpful things that came up on that research were the externally motivated things. Yeah. Um, Well, I like
0: the accountability software and stuff like that, right? Yes,
1: right. So it's not to say that it's not important, but it became less and less important in terms of building long-term trust.
0: Well, I think part of what happens there is that the husband is taking upon himself the responsibility for that accountability, and he's giving uh, the accountability to some of his uh, male community, So, as opposed to the wife getting Mm -hmm. the reports or the wife having to ask, you know he's building up uh, his community such that the reports are going to some of his brothers if they see something they are calling them, they are dealing with it, and it 's all because he is more internally motivated, regardless of what uh, the wife is doing to uh, you know be sober so
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i think I think for you wives too you'll find that it is an important shift for you when, when there's a shift from the external to the internal in that mm-hmm. it hopefully releases you, too, from becoming what might start feeling like a parent to your spouse. Right. Um, when you are in an accountability partner role for him or if you're always accompanying him places or not leaving mm-hmm. him alone... I think eventually you begin to feel like your life is one of just taking care of him right. rather than partnering with him.
0: He's a, you're like a mother as opposed to a partner. Exactly. Right.
1: So I know, I know for them as well, for all of you wives, that um, knowing that he is uh, finding that an internally motivated place and the other men in his life who can help him with whatever external motivators he needs uh, releases you to just be a wife yeah. and a partner instead of uh, a mother or a parent.
0: I think one of the symptoms of it is when the husband starts uh, volunteering without being asked uh, information about his sobriety. So uh, Mm. uh, she doesn't have to ask him, are you sober today? Uh, He'll tell her first. Uh, Maybe they're doing one of the couple's exercises like Thanos, which we've talked about here on the show. But um, in the meantime, he's just gonna wake up on a given day and say, today's a good day. Today, I'm working my program. Today, I'm sober. Here are some of the things I'm doing for my program. I think that's very important for the wife. And he's volunteering the information rather than feeling like he's being supervised about it.
2: That's what strikes me as a key point there, Mark, because doesn't it uh, tend to help the wife feel like she's being, like he's not trying to hide things by involving her in his accountability. It kind of breaks down that wall of, I wonder what's really going on with him.
1: Yes, I I think you're right, Randy, and it's volunteering and sharing parts of yourself, all parts of yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, what you're Mm -hmm. feeling, what you're thinking, what you're needing, uh, that help build trust with her. Yeah. And so that's different than asking her to be an accountability partner. um, When you share with her what you're doing for your accountability and who's helping you with it, that's different than calling her into that role. Especially
2: when she reflects back on all the things that triggers their past history, where she knows he was lying, he was hiding mm-hmm. things that he was doing mm-hmm. from her. I mean, I would think that there would be a, a relief or a confidence that would start to grow in that trust if he's turning to her to share those things. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good point, seven, Deb.
1: Point seven internal motivation
2: maybe we should take a break Randy I don't no know. okay that, I think that's a good point mark let's take our break at this uh, juncture and when we come back we will dive right into point number eight you are listening to Mark and Debbie laser and this is the men of valor program do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor 3-Day Intensive Workshops That's faithfulandtrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week.
0: Trigger of the Week, uh, this time of the year, there's an obvious one. Uh, we... Uh, get uh, a subscription to uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, I think it's because we buy something at like Best Buy or something and, you know, they offer us free subscriptions to these things. And so, you know, we basically occasionally look at Sports Illustrated, but sure enough, all of a sudden, out of the blue, in our mailbox, uh, I didn't see it but uh, when it came, but you did, and uh, it was the swimsuit edition. So, you know, that's a huge trigger. I think over the years it's gotten increasingly uh, more... I don't know, the word salacious comes to mind, but there's certainly more nudity involved than there used to be. And uh, so uh, I think you just took it and threw it away, right?
1: Yes, I did. And I, I think mm-hmm. I mentioned, too, that it just it felt very invasive to me um, yeah. to have something that really in my mind yeah. was as pornographic as I ever care to look at. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it was not invited <clears throat> into our home, into our mailbox. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was disturbing that we don't. We don't have more control about what comes to us. And I'm
0: guessing you could call Sports Illustrated and ask them not to send you that issue, but then there's you know, the rigmarole of that and all this stuff. So you I can know.
1: remember in year one of recovery, I actually did uh, write to several magazines <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that were coming that I thought were inappropriate. Like and
0: Victoria's Secret that, and yes, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Dear Reader's I'm, Digest. I'm sure yeah. it did nothing,
1: <laughs> but it helped me to vent some of my anger yeah, about that. Right, yeah, yeah, that's right.
2: You established a reputation nationally with yes. all publishers. Well, I think the thing that's, uh, <clears throat> I,
0: mean, I, I think it is incredibly invasive in the home, but, you know, when they have this issue, uh, like, everybody knows around here at least that I go to Walgreens probably at least once a day. Uh, I'm on a first name basis with the entire staff over there. And uh, so, you know, when you go through the checkout line, uh, there is the issue. I mean, it's kind of staring you in the face. And even though the cover of it may not be any overt nudity, uh, it's just, it's right there in your face. I mean, it's, and it's not just for us older guys trying to remain sexually pure, but it's, you know, all the kids that are seeing this and, you know, I think of all the young girls that are thinking that uh, this is the way you're supposed to look. And, you know, it's just, a, it's just another symptom of our culture and where we've gone. So, okay. So
2: with that, yes, no, I, I think that's a universal fact. When, mm-hmm. when I think about that, you're just touching on the factor that That children see this. Mm -hmm. I I just think that is such a powerfully negative influence on them Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. because our research here is showing that because of smartphones and everything else, you know, nine year olds Mm -hmm. are finding pornography. Well, I think uh, it's
0: even younger than that, but. uh, Well, you know, here's an interesting thing. I think some of us uh, have been so acculturated to this stuff that we're, you know, like we were just saying, we're offended by it. It's okay to be offended, you know, we're not. Puritans, we're not you know, backward, uh, you know, we're not living in the dark ages, we are in fact morally offended by this stuff, then that's okay to be morally offended.
2: So yeah. Well, let's get back to the show. Eight, yeah. You know. point, point eight. <laughs> Deb's eight? on a roll here. Yes. Yeah, okay. Number eight.
1: Well, another point that I just noted in terms of uh, building trust mm-hmm. in the relationship when it's been broken is the idea to, to see our spouses get rid of any hypocrisy in their life. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean um, working on being the same person in public as you are in private Right. Uh, in a, to work on authenticity.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about a case like this at lunch today, weren't we, where... Uh, the husband presents himself as everybody's best friend. He's very mm-hmm. charismatic, very dynamic. But when the wife is coming in, she's reporting a very different person at home. Mm-hmm. And that's not congruent,
1: is it? So That's right. And, you know, again, we're talking about things that are are, are larger than just sexual behaviors. Right. Mm-hmm. We're talking about things of character. Right. But what I find is that when wives see their husband working on dimensions of new character, mm-hmm. becoming more Christ-like in their life, those things build trust right and this is one of those I know I I work with women who for instance their spouses might be in positions say in ministry or leadership and yet no one there knows anything about the life they're struggling with in their in their private lives and mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they go about being really kind of a different person when they're out there serving or mm-hmm. in their career but at home it looks very different
0: don't you think some of the wives uh, protect that at some point. By that, I mean, you know, some of the wives are just as, like a minister. I'm thinking of the ministry examples of which there are legion numbers of those where <clears throat> I simply mean, I, I think there's sometimes some fear that uh, if we let get out there, particularly with ministry populations, uh, what the husband is really like at home, then it'll be career ending and that kind of thing. So,
1: Well, I think you're right. It can sometimes be a coupleship um, issue that is perpetuated because of fear, fear of what will happen to us financially if you know things are found out and careers are crashed or whatever. Right. I, I think that's where um, my work with wives mm-hmm. becomes important is, is to try to um, just explore what that's about and, and to decide at some point what I know is at some point, again, living authentically on both sides of this for her and for him is what begins to build intimacy and trust between the two of you. And I would say that also um, this hypocrisy doesn't show up just in careers. I think Mm -hmm. it can show up in lots of other ways. Sometimes um, maybe someone, a husband has lost his job, but... You know, maybe what's known in the family is just that he decided for whatever reason it wasn't a good fit and he thought he might change a job, and mm-hmm. so the truth of that isn't known. Or someone is fired from work and the world believes that maybe he just decided to retire, quit, or whatever, mm-hmm. rather than what was really going on there. Or children right. are told that dad uh, just has to work an awful lot and that's why he's not home when maybe the truth is he's spending some of his days incarcerated. And so mm-hmm. there are lots of stories that um, bump us off of this authentic place in our relationships, and I I, I do know and believe that kids are smart too. They yeah. sniff out hypocrisy uh, very very easily, and I think we all too are disturbed by it. It you mm-hmm. know it it does create distance in our relationships with others and. I think there are ways that sometimes we need, for privacy's sake, not to share things, but in many ways we can be mm-hmm. authentic about how, how we mm-hmm. answer things and what information we're giving people that are true about our lives.
0: And that's part of that internal motivation, too, to uh, mm-hmm. be congruent, to be authentic, uh, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, it's part of the journey. It's hard to do sometimes if we've had a history of lying and trying to be somebody we're not for so many years. So. Mm-hmm. All right, well, do you want to move on to number nine, and we'll maybe conclude with that one today? Yeah, I
2: think number nine that would be okay. a great final point for today's show. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. this is a lot of great information for our mm-hmm. listeners to yeah. be processing and uh, and some terrific guidance.
1: Yeah, and again, we're talking about um, building trust with another person, and, and I guess as we move along in this list, I realize that some of this trust building is way more than about just trust around uh, behaviors and sexual behaviors. behaviors. Mm -hmm. This is about trust in the person that you uh, believe your spouse is and want to have them be, and so it's more about character building at some point. So this next point is one that I call um, living out your spiritual leadership. Mm. And the reason I call it that is because I think for many of the men that I see coming here for help, they are tremendous leaders, Mm -hmm. Um, very charismatic, uh, outgoing, And um, I think for many of them, they have been in leadership positions, whether it's in career, in churches, uh, Mm -hmm. in their own families. And I think it's wonderful that they have those gifts and talents to do that. What I find, though, for spouses is that I think there's a recognition at times when being the leader is not really what builds trust for them, Mm -hmm. but wanting them to be led And Mm -hmm. to work on their own spiritual growth to be the person to be led rather than the one trying to lead other people when Mm -hmm. it's clear they're still struggling about things for themselves Mm -hmm. builds more trust for a wife.
0: Yeah, I think being a leader all the time is one of the ways to avoid uh, looking at yourself. Uh, uh, You're leading everybody else. You're caring for everybody else. You're really good at that, but you're not looking at your own stuff. And I think there needs to be a time in the first year, maybe even two of recovery, uh, where, you know, kind of husbands don't lead anything, you know, mm-hmm. at least out there in the public. Uh um, and they certainly need to look at, you know, what their role is in the home, but we're, we're, you know, we're really trying to help the husband and wife become com- companions in that spiritual journey also.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and this is maybe a little bit connected to the hypocrisy one, but I know we, we met up with, a. A client not too long ago who shared with us a beautiful story about this, living mm-hmm. out his spiritual leadership in his home. Mm-hmm. And I know what, some of the arguments that he and his wife had were a lot about how he parented their children, mm-hmm. rather dictatorial, demanding this and that of them, um, expecting things, mm-hmm. wanting them to get up in the morning bright and early, get to their homework, all of these kinds of things. But what he shared with us one night was that um, he realized that he wasn't living out those very things he was expecting Mm -hmm. of others in his life. And he said, I I simply one day made a change in how Mm -hmm. I began to live my life of leadership in my family. And he said, I began to do the things Mm-hmm. that I wanted others to do.
0: More about service um, at points.
1: Well, it was, and about modeling. Modeling, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He said, so I started out, first of all, by getting up every morning at 6 a.m., and I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. And that led to other things in my family, and he said what I began to realize was the calm that started settling over the family and the trust that I think they were building in me, that I, I was being congruent in my in my own leadership and living out what I believed to be a spiritual life um, mm-hmm. that other, others wanted to do that mm-hmm. and follow along with that as well
2: sure that so. strikes me as the huge point you were making about the wife identifying changes that he's making mm-hmm. internally. Mm-hmm. I mean that would be like the ultimate uh, guy right. who is not uh, who was uh, Dictatorial with the kids, but not leading the same kind of uh, example in his own life. And then he made that decision one day, and she had to—that had to have opened her eyes to uh, a huge effort on his part. Yeah,
1: he's really changing, and that's the kind of change that I think builds trust. Right. And um, point nine. So, mm-hmm, point nine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's point nine. I think uh, we need to uh, maybe end the show for today. We'll continue this with point ten. Um, next week i think
2: that'd be perfect and uh, as we always do um taking these three points that you addressed Mm -hmm. today um put a pretty bow on it for us and and uh, Mm -hmm. and what would you like to leave our listeners the thought you'd like to leave our listeners with having said what you have shared uh, today
0: the final word the
1: final word (laughs) and now
2: the final word
1: word. (laughs) well the final word might be that well Um, infidelity and betrayal uh, bring us into this journey and break a lot of trust in our relationship. I think ultimately the things that lead us out of that place and build trust are much more about the character building Mm -hmm. that we're committed to, any of us for that matter, Mm -hmm. um, have less to do about specific behaviors and more about um, really sanctification and Mm -hmm. working on becoming the person that God calls us to be.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about the
0: word sanctification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. That's a good place to stop. Okay. All okay. right.
2: Well, you have been listening to Mark and Debbie Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you again for joining us as we continue on this series. When you've broken her trust, we hope that this coming week is going to be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and great vision.